Any vote coming from the South Side for somebody not named Lightfoot is a vote for Chewy Garcia or Paul Vallis, Lori Lightfoot said. Uh, as you write in the Picayune Sentinel, naming the only Latino and white challengers in the race. Um, Lori Lightfoot has since walked that back. She said, I was caught up in the fervor of the campaign. It's a week before the last day to vote. And uh, if, if by that I intimated that you shouldn't vote, if you're not going to vote for me, I don't mean that. I think she meant that. But what's your take on that? Well, she didn't really walk back the idea of voting for her over any other black candidate. She she walked back the idea of telling people if they're not going to vote for her, then don't vote. That was one of the things that she said. And people were saying that it sounds like voter suppression. I think it was overheated campaign rhetoric. I get what she's saying. Clearly, right, right now, the race, for those who aren't paying real close attention, there are nine candidates in this mayoral race. It's going to be a week from today, the, the final the day of voting. And seven of them are African-American. One is Hispanic, Chuy Garcia, and one is white, Paul Vallis. And Lori Lightfoot's campaign is looking at the polling and it's seeing that she is dividing up the, the traditionally black voter. Black voters tend to be going with either her or Willie Wilson or Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson is a Cook County commissioner and he's an employee of the Chicago Teachers Union. And we all know Willie Wilson, uh, who is going to get his 10% of the vote at least uh, reliably because he's, he's well liked guy. I don't think he's particularly qualified to be mayor, but but that's my opinion. Uh, but Lightfoot's campaign, Lightfoot's internal polling is clearly showing her that, that the black vote is really divided. And the, the, so there are some black pastors. Bobby Rush is among the uh, the leaders in the black community who are saying, look, you got to get behind Lori Lightfoot. Otherwise, the city hall, uh, the, the mayor's office in city hall is going to go over to a white candidate or Hispanic candidate. Now, I'm really disappointed that the race has, has come down to this, that we're back. It feels like we're back in 1983 and when, when Harold Washington was running <clears throat> against, against two white candidates in the, in the primary and then running against uh, a, uh, a white candidate in the general election back when the uh, mayoral elections were partisan. And there was a sense of like, take back the city from, from you know, these, these, encour- these encroaching black politicians. And, and the Bernie Epton's campaign slogan was, before it's too late. And people were really hearing these these racial dog whistles, and I feel like I feel like Lightfoot really injected race into this campaign where I hadn't detected it much before. Yeah, uh, I was seeing that uh, I, I felt like I mean, Lori Lightfoot won overwhelmingly in in 2019 with incredible support from the white community, the white you know lakefront liberals and so on, and you know people like me who were just really impressed with her her style and her campaign rhetoric. So the idea that that uh, voters were going to, we're not going to vote for her because she's black. Of course, she was running against a black opponent in the, in the final two runoff, but, but she did very, very well in that, uh, in that election with white voters. And the fact that, that uh, it, it looked to me, I was certainly hoping that we would go along in this election and that it wasn't going to become a deal that Paul Vallis was the only white candidate, as I said, and Chuy Garcia is the only Hispanic candidate that people were going to vote based on, on performance and on qualifications and not on race, skin color. And I, I was thinking that that was going to be true up until until this really happened, where I think Lightfoot felt like this was her only her only play here. She had to excite She may Black be right too. a little bit, too. I mean, She may absolutely be right, yeah. She has a point here, but she's got to be... The, the things she said or that her campaign has done 
which are stupid campaign rhetoric or strategies, like sending a thing to the Chicago school saying, hey, let's get the kids to try and get me elected, or this statement. Even if there's a modicum of truth to it, you got to be very careful how you sell that message. Well, yeah. And, and of course, now the other thing that happened was yesterday, she was accusing Paul Vallis of injecting race into his campaign, when, and his rhetoric is that it's time to take back the city. Now, she is implying that what he means by that is take it back from the black politicians. Uh, I, I don't think that that's what, what Paul Vallis meant. I'm not gonna, I can't really debate that because you're going to hear what you're going to hear in that statement. I, it sounds to me like kind of boilerplate, hackneyed campaign rhetoric that, you know, we're going to take back the city from those who are the, the, the leaders who have been un, ineffective in or the criminals, whatever it is, or the crime. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is what he's this is what he's talking about. I, I think I, I don't you know, I, I've known Paul Vallis for a long time. I don't think that he's racist, uh, but uh, and I don't and I don't think he's he's played the race card in this campaign. Whitefoot says she doesn't. I think people will hear that. But. But I don't think people would have heard it if she hadn't underscored it and called it a dog whistle. And so suddenly we're a week out and race is what people are talking about in this election. And I think that's a risky strategy. It may be Lightfoot's only strategy, but it feels like a risky strategy to me because if she says, OK, this is these are the battle lines here. It's, it's black versus white versus Hispanic, which which I hate that idea. And, I, and I, I think most people in Chicago do hate that idea. But if she wants to underscore it, what she's risking is that white voters are going to drift toward Vallis, which I think Vallis is going to make that top two runoff anyway, and that and that uh, Hispanic voters are going to come out more strongly than they might have for Chuy Garcia, and that she's going to be left out in the cold fighting over the remaining third of the electorate, which is which is African-American, that's, that's split seven ways. So, it, but it may be that her polling is just showing her that this is her only chance. And and so as much as I can be disappointed by it, it may be like she is she is desperate because it does seem it does feel a little desperate to me. Well, she doesn't have cabinet posts or a vice presidency to dangle in front of Willie Wilson and Brandon Johnson and say, hey, listen, if you guys just bow out, I'll help you out on the other side. But let's get me across the finish line. Willie, you're not going to win. Brandon, you're still a long shot, even though you're the darling of the last two weeks of the campaign. But um, if if she's tried some back channel stuff like that, we're unaware of it, and it doesn't seem to have worked. It doesn't seem like her style either. And you uh-huh. know, I think one point that I've made before, John, is that is that she made a big mistake in not drawing Willie Wilson closer to her after the election. But Willie Wilson was again; he got like ten percent of the vote in the in the first round in twenty nineteen. He's a political force in the city, you know, like it or not, and. He says that she wouldn't even return his phone calls, even though he endorsed her in the in the runoff against Tony Preckwinkle. She wouldn't return his phone calls or take meetings with him. I think that was a huge miscalculation on her part, and it's emblematic of how poorly she plays politics. That you needed to take a guy like Willie Wilson and you needed to bring him in. I mean, you can't be. There's not a cabinet position as such, but there are high advisors. There are positions yeah. you could give to people, formal or informal. Take him seriously. Listen to him. Get his ideas. And you could have kept him on Team Lightfoot, and that would probably have secured the election. I, I don't think that Brandon Johnson, as a member of the Chicago Teachers Union, and uh, I mean, as, a, as an employee of the Teachers Union and a county commissioner, would have been brought, bought off by some, some, something like that. But uh, but um, I, I do think that, that you, he, she needed to, to govern with a little bit more sense of addition of, of support rather than not bringing these people closer to her. And I think that that may be a, a real miscalculation, something else that happened in this race, which I think is very interesting and it may figure into our postmortems in, in a week, 
is that Chewy Garcia waited and waited to get into this race. He waited until November, which is a really long time to, to wait in, in a race this important. And while he was waiting, the Chicago Teachers Union, which endorsed him last time, finally mm. put forth Brandon Johnson, who's turned out to be, I know you say he's, he, he's probably not going to win, but he might. I mean, this, this race is still very fluid. He's got a lot of support. Uh, and and uh, so he's, he's now the big progressive candidate. If Chewy Garcia had gotten in a little earlier, I don't think Brandon Johnson would have gotten in. I think the Chicago Teachers Union would have mobilized behind him, and it would be a slam dunk that he would make the runoff. As it is, I talk to a lot of people who just like aren't that excited about Chuy Garcia, and they may they may end up voting for him. I may end up voting for him, but he's not exciting people. And, and uh, well, I don't think, I think he's that, distinguished himself either in his platform planks. Like, okay, what specifically are you going to do? Paul Vallis seems to be more detailed. Um, I asked him the other day about going to the State of the Union address rather than participating in the Channel Eleven debate. Um, I, th- I think he's just missed some opportunities to sort of let us get to know his imprint on Chicago per se if he's going to be the mayor. When I asked him about some of the details of his plans to make the city safer or the business climate more vibrant, he wasn't very specific. So uh, the, the, there does not seem to be any novelty to him. There doesn't seem to be anything especially fresh I like him, and I liked our conversation with him, but nothing really popped for me. Even when I asked him, what do you make of the NASCAR race downtown, um, he, he was kind of wishy-washy about it. Well, if it's pretty good, uh, then we'll wait and see. But I wish it had been more transparent. Fair enough. But he sure didn't double down on even that. Let me pause for just a minute, Eric. There's a couple of other things I want to ask you about. Eric Zorn's the publisher of the Picayune Sentinel, the weekly newsletter. You can get just by emailing Eric at ericzorn at gmail.com. By the way, Eric, after Mayor Lori Lightfoot voted yesterday, she said, I'm glad my wife lives in the city of Chicago and can vote for me, unlike some. What was she up to there, Eric? <laughs> well, she's referring to the fact that— What could that possibly be about? Well, she's referring to the fact that Paul Vallis's main house, his homestead, is down in Palos Heights, where his wife lives. And he, for the last year plus, has rented an apartment in Bridgeport, and that establishes his residency in Chicago and eligibility to run for mayor. But uh, yeah, his main his main dwelling, his main real estate, is in Palos Heights. I've argued that I don't think this is all that important to Chicago voters that they know that. Dallas was the budget director in, the, in City Hall. He was the uh, CEO of the Chicago Public Schools for five years. Yeah. Uh, he ran for mayor last time. He's got he's got bona fides as far as as far as being a Chicagoan and caring about Chicago. I, I if you support Paul Vallis's principles, I don't think this is any reason not to vote for him. And I I really haven't heard from anybody who is who is worried about where he has been hanging his hat most of the last five years and is more worried about what's going on in the city. I don't think we have the luxury to to fuss about that. And again, I'm not a Vallis supporter, but I just don't think that's relevant. What about this? 708 said, so glad to hear Eric Zorn say it feels like we're going back to 1983 and feels like the race has been interjected, race has been interjected into everything these days, and race has become even more of a factor or issue than it did in the 1970s, which was considered the height of racial tensions. I don't know that I agree with all of that. I would not have used that uh, before-it's-too-late-ish phrase that Vallis used. What was the uh, campaign line that Vallis has? Well, Vallis' campaign line is... 
Take back the city. Yeah. yeah. It's about taking the city back. And, and again, I, I think what he's talking about, and I think what people are hearing is take it back from those who have been unequal to the task of, of leading the city through these problems that we've had, you know, as his campaign message. I, I don't think he's saying take it back from the. Oh, I, think he's, that, I think that, he's having it both ways there. I think that works what you're saying, but he knows people will read into that. Take take back the city. It's it's like make America great again. I thought America was OK. If you say you're taking back the city, who has controls the city? It's persons of color. It's females of color. He's a white male. Well, how how is how do you not see that in that message? Well, that you're you're right that that there are. That's Tony Preckwinkle is a black woman. She's the Cook County Board President. The uh, city treasurer is Melissa Conyers Irvin. She's African American. Fox. The state's attorney Kim Fox, and you have of course the Attorney General of Illinois and the Lieutenant Governor of Illinois are both black. I mean, I think that black political power is is pretty entrenched. I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, I and I don't hear and maybe i'm not listening to the right frequencies but i don't hear people saying it's, it's the reason things are going bad is because we have black people you're right i, think I don't hear that either no i don't hear that either and, and so and so i i don't you know i i, I don't think that that's really the appeal I, I hear a difference between take back our city and make america great again making america great again sounds to me like let's go back in time to a time when things were better for us uh, meaning the uh, the Trump supporters, and I, I think that is an appeal, a coded racial appeal, much more than take the city back. I feel like that is that what Valls is talking about is taking it back from leaders who he feels are incompetent, right? The okay. city well, but you know but, what? But I get, I hear what you're saying. I, I I don't disagree with you that you can hear that either way, and that, and that maybe he wants it both ways. I don't I don't you know I don't know into I can't see into his heart. So. Uh, but uh, Garcia has not played the race card. Vallis has not played the race card. Lori Lightfoot has not played the race card. Nor has Brandon Johnson. I just haven't heard a lot of that uh, to the run up, and now we're one week out. So. If somebody misspeaks right now or I misread something right now, I think this election is going to be won or lost on issues rather than on race, despite what our last well, listener just texted. Yeah. And I've got to say, I have never spoken to so many people who are undecided. I've, I've had a phone conversation this morning yeah. with someone who's, a, who's really well-connected politically in this town, who's really been involved in local politics. And I said, who are you voting for? And he said, well, and he went through all the candidates talking about how he could and couldn't support them. And and uh, I feel like that there's a huge amount of people out there who are undecided. Some of the latest polls show that a number of people who, say, who tell pollsters they're decided, something like 44 percent of them still feel they could change their minds. And this was taken about a week ago. But Yeah. Oh, but I'm in are... that camp. I'm in that camp. You know, oh, I'm yeah. gonna, Eric, I'll tell you who I'm going to vote for. You want to know who I'm going to vote for? The, yeah. The person whose commercial I hear last on my way to the polling place. That's. That's just how vulnerable and impressionable I am to these ads that we're seeing and hearing on the radio and TV. You and I will talk more about this on the Mincing Rascals podcast. It'll drop tomorrow. We'll record it after the show then. I'm out of time today, Eric. Thanks. Thanks, John. That's Eric Zorn, publisher of the Picayune Sentinel. You can email ericzorn at gmail.com.